it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. Welcome to another episode of Off the Post. I'm your host, John Mattis of Post Media, and on the line today I have Eric Francis, who covers the Flames for Post Media, for Sportsnet. Uh, Eric, how's it going? I'm great. You? I'm pretty good. Uh, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, and uh, we figured out a time here. Mainly this this specific time, because the team's coming off a bye week. They play tomorrow. We're recording this Sunday night. They play tomorrow to kick off, I guess, their post-bye week uh season um and the the flames are just a team that that make you kind of shake your head just because the expectations were so high going into the season and then they've had their highs this season but they've also had their lows so they're a very tough team to figure out and uh I guess I'll just throw it to you off the top in terms of if you can explain what's really gone on you know big picture with this season yeah I think they started off very poorly uh, you know, I, they won five games in their first 16, and we're right down near the bottom of the NHL standings. And, uh, it, you know, 16 games in, people were calling for the coach to be fired. Um, you know, Glenn Gullitson came in to be uh, to play a new system for the Calgary Flames, replacing Bob Hartley. And uh, there were certainly some growing pains, I think, surrounding that entirely. Uh, you know, the coach, uh, the players had to buy into his new system, and eventually they did, and that's how they turned their season around. But at the same time, they got off to a slow start because uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan both, both missed camp. And uh, th- there was just kind of a, a perfect storm of things that were affecting this team as they got out of the gates. But I, I think they've shown a lot of character in bouncing back from that horrific start. Um, I-, I think they've shown that the coach has got them. Uh, you know, they-, they believe in his system. And, uh, and I think from that point on, they've been, you know, they bounced back very strongly. Uh, and then they also have had some step backs, uh, step uh, steps backwards, and I think that that's all just part of them trying to gain confidence and really believing that they can uh, be a playoff team and, and maybe a little bit more. And and also the other thing that affected this team, you know, all year long has been goaltending. Uh, Brian Elliott came in; he was another one who had a very horrific start at the beginning of the season. He's kind of bounced back of late, but uh, I'll tell you one thing: if it wasn't for Chad Johnson, uh, their backup goalie coming in and winning, I think he won like 14 out of 18 starts at one point in time and basically saved the season. Uh, without him, uh, this this season's already over, and you and I are sitting here talking about who they're selling at the trade deadline. But instead, uh, you know, if anything, they'll be buyers at the trade deadline because they're right in the thick of this thing. Yeah, they're they're in an odd spot in terms of uh, optics, I guess you could say. They're 
within a point of the wild card spot, so they're right in there. But they're also a minus ten goal differential. That so that tells you, you know, they've they haven't exactly played to their potential or to their record necessarily. Obviously, some blowouts uh, involved there. I, I guess since you brought up the goaltending situation, let's let's go down that road a little bit. The positive from the Flames' standpoint is that both Chad Johnson and Brian Elliott are are free at the end of the season. They're they they're ready to if they want to let go of them, they can. Um, but that's not necessarily a good thing when you want a starter uh, out of those two guys. How would you kind of um, handicap the situation there in terms of you know after the season are they going to you know wash their hands of Brian Elliott and, and move on to Johnson or are they giving him more time here to to kind of prove himself? Well, I think I think the final 25, 26 games are going to be very telling for the Calgary Flames in terms of what they might want to do with their goaltending. Um, you know, I, I still haven't completely uh, given up on Brian Elliott in terms of being a starter in the National Hockey League and, and being the dominant goalie he was for the better part of the last five or six years. Um, but, at, you know, I think he'll be seeking quite a lot of money on the open market. He's cost himself a ton of money this year. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many teams even need a starting goalie uh, after the uh, the expansion draft goes on. I think every team's going to at least protect one starter. So, uh, so much is going to happen. But let's just say this: you know, I think a lot of people will look back and say that the uh, the acquisition of Brian Elliott was a huge uh, mistake. And and I beg to differ. It's been a failure. Yes, I will say that. But mistake means that it was a, it was a dumb thing to do. I thought it was a very savvy move at the time. Um, he's only $2.5 million on the salary cap, so that gave them the room to sign Johnny Gaudreau and Monaghan and fill some other gaps. Um, it just didn't work out. Uh, I, it was a calculated risk. I thought it was a, a very solid risk to take. Um, it just didn't work out. And, hey, Brian Elliott still in the last 26 games could end up being a somewhat of a hero for this team and helping them get into the playoffs. If that's the case, then I'm not sure you can look at it as a failure at all. Um, you know, there were some struggles there, but, uh, you know, I, I still think that he has the capability of being that dominant goalie. So, uh, you know, at the end of the year, that's the beauty of the experiment. They could wash their hands of these guys and for the third year in a row, completely start from scratch on their goaltending or, or they could maybe keep Chad Johnson. Uh, I would say at this point, the likelihood though, is that they, they, we've seen the last of Brian Elliott at the end of this season. It just didn't work out for the most part, but again, still a lot of hockey to play. Well, I'm, I'm on your side with, uh, the Brad Tree living, move so he traded a 35th pick and a conditional third rounder for brian elliott and at the t- and you know when you look back now it's like oh what was he thinking maybe maybe you maybe you pull that card but i mean at the time brian elliott was a sought after goaltender in terms of he's been waiting in st louis for his time to really be the number one and then finally the flames pull the trigger and all of a sudden they have uh this goaltender that has had great numbers throughout his career and just seems to be stuck in a blue situation where he wasn't really given full reins of, of the starter job. And then he goes, he goes to Calgary and he's, he stumbled around a fair bit. Obviously he's had his okay stretches, but uh, eight ninety five and 27 games so far this uh, season in terms of save percentage is uh, it's just not good enough. And uh, like you said, he's got, he's got some time here to, to maybe uh, strut his stuff, whether or not the, the, the flames bring him back or another team. I mean, he's, he's playing for a contract regardless. Yeah, oh, for sure he is, and I think the expectation was that uh, he was going to make five or six million dollars a year, times maybe four or five years at the end of this season, and I think even people started envisioning that in Calgary, where he'd be the starter, uh, but they, they decided to wait and see. Let's just see how this new relationship works. 
Um, it, it stumbled out of the blocks. It's gotten a little bit better of late. But, uh, no, I, the alternative to getting Brian Elliott was someone like Ben Bishop, and the Flames were going down that road. They'd actually secured permission to talk to Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop has spoken to the Flames and even started talking about a contract extension in exchange for being traded. And um, and then suddenly they just decided to go with what I thought was a better option, which is Brian Elliott. Maybe they revisit the, the Ben Bishop uh, sweepstakes. I don't know. The problem with Bishop is he's so darn expensive. His record has been so unbelievable the last handful of years that he's going to get paid next year as an unrestricted free agent a whole lot more than Brian Elliott ever will. So I don't think the Flames can afford to have that goalie in their uh, lineup when you've also got some big-name guys getting some big paychecks like Gaudreau, Monaghan, Giordano, and the list goes on. Yeah, let's talk about Monaghan and Goudreau because – if you look at their just straight counting stats, goals, assists, points, uh, even if you want to throw in plus minus, it it's not it's not a great look for them in terms of their traje- trajectory. You know their career arc. They're supposed to be taking a step forward every year. You could argue that they've taken a step back, both of them, uh, in, in, to varying degrees. But you know these guys are obviously the cornerstone of this franchise collectively. They're they're this pair, this dynamic duo, and obviously the contracts that they got show that. Um, have you been disappointed in, in what they've produced, or am I seeing this from, from too far away and, and the, the goals and the assists just haven't come yet, but they're on their way? Yeah, they, they've been disappointing. And, you know, after the first 10 or 15 games, uh, you can use the excuse that you miss camp only for so long, and then after that it's just an excuse. And, uh, you know, Monaghan of late has really gotten back on track. I do believe he's actually on track for 30 goals which would shock a lot of people because of the horrific start he had. Uh, Gaudreau just hasn't been the, the impact player that they're paying him to be and the player that he's been the last two years. So he's been a big disappointment. Um, and, and, you know, what I always try to look at, I think, in terms of, you know, I, I'm one of the few people left, I think, in Calgary or maybe around the league that still thinks the Calgary Flames are going to make the playoffs. Um, and and I, I say that because of this. This team is right in the thick of this whole thing, despite the fact that Monaghan and Gaudreau have been invisible for the most part this season. Once those guys eventually start to figure it out, and they, maybe they don't do it together, but at some point one of them or both of them are going to start to figure it out, start posting numbers that they've done the, that posted the last couple of years, and then this team's got that added boost that, that a lot of teams don't have. So I, I, I'm still waiting for them to put on that Superman cape and finish the season uh, in the same fashion that they ended it last year, which was by scoring a ton of goals and being the, the chief engine of the Calgary Flames offense. Yeah, and I guess to put a more positive spin on, on the forward group, you have the 3M line, so Froelich, Backlin, and Kachuk. Obviously, their last names don't start with them, but their first names do. And they've just kind of taken hold of, of the top-line minutes, and they've become very good defensively as a unit and very good offensively, obviously. And, you know, let's talk about Kachuk for a second. This guy wasn't even supposed to make the team, and now he's – you could definitely put him in the Calder Trophy uh, discussion. Uh, it's hard to really um, – to defeat the Mitch Marners and Austin Matthews at this point, but Kachuk has has stood stood among them, if you want to put it that way, and he passes both the eye test and the stats test, and – People are kind of salivating over him, and I think it's it's warranted. He's He's been an incredible rookie. Yeah, you know, it, it, you're right. It'll be tough for him to crack that, that, that final three for the Calder because of Marner, Line A, Matthews, uh, Wierenski. I mean, it's a heck of a, uh, an interesting race. And there are a couple others that you could mention, too. Sebastian Ajo in Carolina. There are other guys that are coming on strong. But 
you know, I'll say this. Somebody in Toronto asked me recently um, if I would trade Kachuk for uh, Mitch Marner, and I guarantee you, I'm sure you and everyone in Toronto would say, you know, uh, there's no way Toronto would ch- uh, trade Marner for Kachuk. Well, I can tell you right now from this vantage point, there's no chance the Flames would trade Kachuk for Mitch Marner. And I say that largely because Calgary's already got that small, gifted, playmaking right. scorer in Johnny Gaudreau. Um, Kachuk brings an element that I would argue most teams in the NHL are just killing for right now, which is a power forward. There are only a handful of power forwards left in the National Hockey League. It's a dying breed. This is a guy who's second in the league in penalty minutes in his first year in the league. He's not scared to get under people's skin. He leads the league this year in a stat that that never gets cited, but that's drawing penalties. He gets under people's skin to the point where they do take penalties against this guy. He takes a lot too, but he's also getting under the the other the opponent's skin. So he he brings it in so many different ways. He completes that line brilliantly. It has been their best line all year long, which nobody saw coming. And, uh, yeah, Kachuk was on that 10-game watch where nobody was sure if he was going to be kept after 10 games. Well, he blew right through that, and now he's in the Calder Trophy discussion. So uh, really does a little bit of everything and has been, uh, you know, certainly the most pleasant surprise here in Calgary this year. Uh, Maybe beside Michael Backlund. Backlund Backlund has really emerged as a guy who is actually in the Selkie Trophy conversation as the top defensive forward. Um, Really having an unbelievable season. Uh, the unquestionable MVP of this team all year long, uh, which I guarantee no odds makers anywhere in the world could have predicted. Uh, you know, but uh, a real nice surprise for the Calgary Flames and a big reason why they're in this playoff hunt right now because those those big guns were absent and that 3M line has picked up the slack and kind of carried the load. Well, a couple things there with Kachuk. The you know, I'm I'm a huge fan, and I'm going to praise him all day, but the one thing that does need to be corrected is is the penalty situation because I'm looking at it now. He's taken 27 penalties already. He's drawn 26, so that's great, but, to, you know, he's got 92 penalty minutes, and, and the incredible. season's not over yet. Like, this isn't the uh, the 1970s or 80s or 60s. It's it's kind of uh, – you gotta you got to reel that back if you're Kachuk, but if that's your only complaint, that's, that's pretty minor. That's something you can just – you know, uh, I guess harp on him uh, from a coaching perspective, and it'll obviously get corrected. It's not, it's not like he has poor hockey sense or can't skate. So, that's if that's the only issue, then that, that, that's a pretty good rookie. And uh, with Backland, actually, I was uh, reading your story on him, kind of a a, a Selkie uh, candidate story about how Backland should be a hundred percent within that that candidate group. And uh, I I like the part where you you basically asked him. So what are you actually bad at? Because you can score, you can you know you can play defense, you can win faceoffs, etc. And he goes, I mean, I'm awful at badminton. Does that count? So that was that was a great little tidbit. But um, yeah, he's got 38 points in 56 games, leads the Flames in in points, which is kind of mind-boggling, as you alluded to, with with the roster that they have and the firepower elsewhere. And he also makes less than four million against the cap. Like what Backlund is doing, uh, you can't really ask for more at this point. No, I mean exactly. I mean. It says it all when I say he's the MVP. Like, I mean, I could have listed you six or seven players who I pro- I would have thought could have been ahead of him, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year in terms of probabilities. I'd have put even, you know, lesser lights like Dougie Hamilton or TJ Brody or certainly Mark Giordano would come to mind or, or Monaghan or Gaudreau or Brian Elliott or Lord. I mean, and, and he surpassed all of them. And it, it's, it, you know, he was a first round pick of the Calgary Flames and for many years was considered a bit of a bust and kind of frustrating, 
but he's finally got to the point where he's adding offense to that incredible defensive play that he's got, and he's found those great uh, those great wingers that work well with him. And, yeah, a real neat story for the Flames fans. So, I mean, based on this season, I would imagine Backlund is part of their, their core moving forward. He's not locked up. To, I think it's only another two seasons, so you know they still have to kind of decide on that and where he fits money-wise. But so you would have, if, if you're thinking of the core of this team, um, so you'd have Backlund, Kachuk, uh, Monahan, Brody, uh, Goudreau, and uh, Giordano as like as the no-brainers, as like people that you probably aren't gonna uh, do away with unless the salary cap comes into play. And then you have guys like Brower, Froelich, Hamilton. Uh, kind of on, based on their contracts, they're part of the core, but I don't know if uh, if that means anything in terms of the way the Flames see them, uh, you know, in terms of ice time and, and sort of uh, the key members of the roster. It, am I am I looking at that properly? Is Bennett a core piece or is he falling out of favor? What guys are really important to this organization? You know, I, I think you nailed it really well as, you know, your first tier and then your second tier guys. Um, you know, and, and, and it's it's interesting that you did leave out Bennett and then asked about him at the end because – Big question mark next to Sam Bennett. I mean, taken fourth overall in 2014, you know, they expected big, big things from this kid. He plays a feisty game. He takes too many penalties as well. He's learning, you know, he's too frustrated out there. The offense hasn't come easy for him for the first time in his career uh, since he's got to the NHL. So he's really kind of struggling to get that first kind of burst of offensive comfort in the NHL. And uh, it's frustrating for the Flames. There's a massive debate going on in Calgary right now where, you know, hockey is everything and over whether or not Sam Bennett should play center or the wing. Uh, I'm certainly in the school where that says this, this kid's been given too much to try and take on too early by making him be a centerman. And they're forcing him to be a centerman because that's where they see him long term. I see him there long term, too. But I use the uh, the analogy that Glenn Gullitson always points out, too, which is, Tyler Sagan played the first three, four years of his career on the wing before he finally was comfortable enough to move to center where he's one of the more dominant players in the league. So I don't think Sam Bennett's ever going to be one of the more dominant players in the league, but I certainly think he's capable of being a top 30 scorer in the National Hockey League. I'd go that far. We just haven't seen any glimpse of it really uh, since he's been with the Flames. He had a burst last year where he scored eight goals in five games, uh, including a a four-goal effort one night. Um, and everyone thought, there it is, there's the kickstart, and then he regressed after that. And I think it's largely because they continue to insist on putting him at center. Soon they're going to get it right, put him on the wing, and uh, let him just, you know, there's fewer responsibilities, and he could be more offensive. But anyway, Sam Bennett is a core part of this franchise moving forward. It's a contract year for him. He's going to be very disappointed with the amount of money he makes. But uh, I think that they are definitely counting on him to be their number two center for a lot of years. Where do you peg uh, Dougie Hamilton in, in the whole mix? Because, uh, you know, his on-ice uh, product, his on-ice abilities are, you know, they're, they're, I wouldn't say second to none, but they're, you know, they're right behind Giordano, right up there with uh, TJ Brody in terms of the Flames roster in the back end. But there's always, like, this weird cloud of, like, does Dougie Hamilton fit in? Is he, you know, is he on the trade block? Like, I don't I don't really understand it. I, I know that he's, you know, this smart guy, this guy that's not necessarily, like, your typical jock, so maybe he doesn't exactly fit in perfectly with what's going on there and this is totally half speculation half um stuff that i've heard and read but we're like what what's the story behind doug hamilton is it is it is it all just speculation that he's on the block or or perpetually on the block it seems like no you know i really do believe that those those 
rumors. I mean, I know the genesis of all those rumors and all that talk, and I get it. That, you know, people are just going to continually peg him to trade rumors. I think it's complete garbage. There's not a team in the National Hockey League that isn't looking for a six foot five mobile defenseman who can add offense, who's 23 years of age, who's locked up long term. I mean, he literally has everything that every single GM in the league is dying for. So to suggest that the Flames are looking to trade him is absolutely nonsensical. I've heard those exact words from Brian Burke. Um, he, he is their third defenseman right now. He's playing on the top pairing with Giordano, and he's, he's their leading scorer amongst defensemen this year. He Last year, I think he finished, mm, I'm going to get this wrong, but off the top of my head, he finished top 20 in the NHL in scoring. Uh, he had his career year. I think he had 42 points last year. Uh, you know, Yet everybody talks about what a disappointment he was. The bottom line is this. Nobody could understand why the Calgary Flames got him in that trade. It was a major coup. It was the biggest coup of the summer two years ago when uh, Brad Treliving got this guy, because nobody lets go of 21-year-old defensemen that have size, speed, mobility, and offense. I mean, no one does it. So everyone thinks that there's something wrong with Dougie Hamilton. And when he came to Calgary, there were so many expectations. Uh, and I just don't think that he lived up to him at the start. And from that point on, it's kind of like Brian Elliott, he'll never win in this town. Um, I do think he, you know, he's got five more years left on his deal after this, so I think that he will eventually win out. I think he will be the dominant number one defenseman in this market for a number of years after Giordano's gone. But right now, Dougie Hamilton is still not a fan favorite, even though he just goes out night after night and is one of their best defensemen, gets the points. But every little mistake he makes, everyone just points it out and says, there you go, there's Dougie Hamilton for you. And the other thing is, with his size, I think everyone expects him to drive players through the boards at every opportunity and be that real physical, nasty defenseman. I'll tell you what, if he was a physical, nasty defenseman, that guy would be Chris Pronger. That guy would be one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. He does lack that toughness, but he's not, he's not soft. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. Um, I, don't think, I think he's unfairly maligned, and that's too bad. But he's a hell of a player, and he will be for a long time here in Calgary, not anywhere else. Yeah, and when you think of the back end there, the Flames have been set up pretty well with with Brody, Giordano, Hamilton, and then you know maybe maybe there's some depth issues. I don't know. Weidman's a pretty good player. Yeah. Um, no, and- you you got depth issues here in Calgary. They're looking for a fourth defenseman for sure. Weidman's a colossal disappointment. Uh, fans don't like him here. I'm not sure he's well liked in the dressing room. Management's been trying to trade him for years. But because he makes $5.25 million, there's just no way anyone's going to take on that salary. He's been an albatross for this franchise for uh, several years now, and it's been a couple of years since he's been a good, impactful player in a positive way. Um, yeah, they really do need to upgrade that position, but they're really looking forward to losing that, that salary this summer, saying goodbye to Dennis Weidman and having $5.25 million more to spend on other pieces that they need. Yeah, I'm sure uh, they'll they'll find... They'll find players to take up that that salary, and then up front, you know, we've we've talked about a few of the the star players and a few of the guys who really drive the offense. Is again, is it is it a depth issue? Because you don't think of the Flames as you know a Stanley Cup contender, and it's probably because uh, they just don't have kind of um, up and down the lineup skill, up and down the lineup size, strength, whatever you want to call it. There's there's holes within the lineup, and I see the bottom six forward group as sort of a, a weak spot. Well, see, now that's interesting because, and I'm not going to disagree. I certainly, they're not, certainly not Stanley Cup contenders. I mean, they're, they're on the bubble of the playoffs. That's what they, we predicted going into the season. That's exactly where they are, and that's exactly where they're going to finish. Um, 
you know, that, that third line, the, the 3M line is actually their third line. <laughs> well, when you put it that way. <laughs> line, it's been their best line by far. And, you know, amongst one of the ones, I'm not going to say one of the best in the league, but it's certainly, you know, a top 30 line in the league, if you want to put it that way. Um, you know, so uh, Goudreau and Monaghan, they've split them up for the most part this year because Christopher Stieg has been such a brilliant addition uh, to the Calgary Flames, which no one could have expected. He's been playing largely with Monaghan, and Goudreau's been playing, you know, on a secondary line. Uh, whenever whenever they need a goal late in the game, they put Goudreau and Monaghan together. But, um, yeah, they, they're not the most solid from top to bottom up front. Uh, they lack – a lot of people wondered where they were going to get their goals from this year. Uh, I think they've they've done fairly well in terms of scoring. Uh, their power play started the season for the first two months was 30th in the National Hockey League. It is now seventh, so their turnaround this year corresponds almost uh, 100% to their turnaround of their power play. Um, to be to go from 30th to seventh, uh, that tells you how dominant they've been over the last couple of months. And that's you know that's guys like Versteeg playing a huge role, guys like Kachuk playing a huge role. Um, even Gaudreau and Monaghan are getting their power play points, but they're just not scoring five on five. So, yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah, the, the biggest hole that this franchise I think has, and most people here will say goaltending. Others will say they need a third or fourth defenseman. I would say that they need a top-line winger. After Gaudreau and Monaghan on that top line, they've not been able to replace the shoes that uh, Yuri Hoodler filled uh, when he was here. And uh, they put they got a, a Chase on there, Steve Chase on right now. Or not Steve Chase on. Uh, Alex Chase on. Alex Chase on. <laughs> he's, been, he's been okay. But uh, they really do need more of an impact player to play on that top line, and they'll try to do that this summer. But go ahead and try and pick up a first-line forward uh, on the open market. It costs way too much money. Oh, yeah, you just look at what Matt Duchesne is apparently uh, uh, kind of warranting uh, other teams to, to offer to the Avalanche. And, yeah, you kind of yeah. – especially this time of year when the deadline comes, everyone wants something. So all oh, of yeah. a sudden, you know, supply and demand, the guy's worth a lot more than he's probably worth in uh, in the summer. Um and now let's talk about Glenn Gullitson because it's his first season with the Flames, uh, replaced Bob Hartley. Uh, the The organization hasn't been to the playoffs aside from 2014-15. They haven't been to the playoffs um, at all except for that year in the last seven years. So one out of seven, Gullitson comes in, and obviously, like we discussed off the top, it was kind of a train wreck <laughs> for the first uh, 15, 16 games. The ship's been righted, but it, it's not like they they got on this huge hot streak and haven't stopped. Like there's been a lot of ups and downs. How is how would you ex- assess his season as this rookie coach in in Calgary? Uh, yeah, I'd, you know, if I had to give him a letter grade, I'd give him probably a a B minus. You know, I, he's got his team in the thick of a playoff race, which is exactly what the world expected of this team. And for that, you know, I don't think you can give him a failing grade. Uh, yeah, they, he certainly got off to a terrible start. The team was awful at the beginning. And it was blamed largely, right or wrong, on the fact that the players just were learning the system and it was taking far too long. And they were out there thinking about where they had to be. And anyone will tell you that if you're out there thinking, you've already lost that step that you need to be successful. you just got to react on gut, on instinct. You have to know the system inside out. So I think they know that system now. 
you know, the Flames just went into this little five-game or five-day break. Uh, I think they won four of their last five or three of their last four on the road. And, you know, they looked really, really good in the process, beat some really, really good teams, including the defending Stanley Cup champions. So I, I really feel like they're going to have a pretty strong push down the stretch. Um, and I think this coach is someone that these guys, I know for a fact they really like him. The players hated Bob Hartley, and that was a big part of why uh, they made the change. If your players hate you, that's okay if you're still winning a lot of hockey games. If your players hate you and you're missing the playoffs, just, it's too easy to make that change and switch the coach. This guy is a player's coach. They really, really like him. They respect him. They want to win for him. They want to work for him. And I think he's a good guy. Moving forward, I really think he's going to have quite a lot of success uh, with the Calgary Flames. And do you think his deployment and systems, like has it, has it worked with the group that he has? Because a lot of coaching in the NHL is you know figuring out where to put certain players, like places to succeed, not putting them in places to fail, and just sort of kind of like moving the chess pieces on the board and fitting it all into the right place and then going, okay, go out there and, and show me that you're worth more ice time or, or whatever it may be. Has he kind of, has he worked that angle well? I think so. I mean, again, he's got limited resources in terms of his offense not being, you know, as powerful as most other teams. Uh, but, you know, he's, I think he's put, guys in position to be successful i'm no hockey coach i try to stay away from the x's and o's and systems and all that sort of stuff i'd be a fool to try and pretend i know uh you know the sort of level that these guys are at but i can tell you that uh you know after these guys figured out the system this team is one of the better teams in the national hockey league since that first 16 games when they were terrible and uh you know just to give you an example of, of how bad they were at the beginning they played the oilers one night and they gave up six breakaways I mean, wow. you could go six games and not see a breakaway in the National Hockey League, but in one game they gave up six breakaways. And that's clearly just a lack of, you know, just guys not knowing their assignment, not knowing where to be, not positioning themselves well. Um, and, and so I think they've shored that up. They don't give up breakaways much anymore. And uh, I, I think, yeah, I give, him, you know, I give him full marks on how he's deployed his guys. And you sort of mentioned in passing uh, 10, 20 minutes ago about the Flames being buyers at the deadline? Are you, are you 100% kind of like on board with that? Like say from a columnist perspective, like would you want them to buy or do you think it's just the organization's idea to buy? I, you know, in my opinion is they, they shouldn't do anything radical and so that means you can't do anything at the deadline. And maybe you, whenever you make a move at the deadline, it's almost always radical. It means you're giving up prospects and you're setting your rebuild back a little ways. People need to remember, this is still a rebuild here in Calgary. When this general manager took over, Brad Treliving, the, the cupboards were absolutely empty in terms of prospects. So he's been stocking those cupboards, you know, slowly uh, getting better, younger players in here. And to me, that in a season like this, where there's no real threat that this team can threaten for any sort of playoff run, I just don't think it makes much sense to go out and overspend on rentals. Uh, I, that's not something that Brian Burks ever wanted to do. He says that. You know, he's famously said that 90% of all mistakes that GMs made are made on trade deadline day, and everybody overpays. And uh, I totally agree with him. I mean, you can list on one hand how many times a trade deadline acquisition has gone on to turn a team into a Stanley Cup champion. And that's that's not what it's about here in Calgary. I, yeah, the management's going to tell you that every year it's all about winning a cup. But really, the the expectation in this city is to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, you go out and tell me uh, how they can – 
not mortgage the future in, in any way and still pick up some guys, some hel- helpful pieces at the deadline. I just don't see how that works. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You're either all in or you just kind of stand pat. And I think this team should, and I think this team will stand pat at the trade deadline, generally speaking. They may make a few tweaks, but, uh, you know, giving up uh, certainly, you know, unless, hey, John, if, if the next seven or eight games they lose seven or eight in a row, yeah. uh, you know, or maybe they win ten in a row, uh, before the deadline, things can change, and your mindset can change, and suddenly you think, oh, we're on a huge roll, and we, maybe we can do something. But I, I just don't think it's prudent right now to do anything radical. Now, Tree Living is in his last uh, year of his contract. Does it? Do you think that'll play a role, or do you think he's level-headed enough to go, I've done a good job here, I'm going to get you know, re-upped, so I, I just need to do what I'm normally doing? Because that, that plays a role, the hel- human element of, like, I need to prove myself before my contract is uh, is on the table, and... I mean, it's it's on the table, so he he's got to at least have uh, thoughts of of making a big splash to maybe save his job. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching with that, but no, no. You know what? It's a theme that people. There's a theory here in the city that maybe he would do something like that because he doesn't have a contract, and he is the only general manager in the league who doesn't have a contract uh, heading into next season. And uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, then that means he's on the chopping block. He's got a dead man walking contract, and. But management here, or the ownership here, has just decided that they are uh, simply not willing to extend people when they don't need to extend people. They're paying Bob Hartley right now $2 million to uh, live in Florida and fish every day and stuff like that. I mean, most teams have some sort of bad contract like that anyway. But this ownership group is just saying enough of that. We're gonna, we're gonna, when we need to, when we need to re-up someone, we will. But we're not doing it before we are comfortable that it's the right thing to do. So I, I think that they know the great job he's done. I know that Brian Burke uh, certainly endorses this general manager and will certainly do so when owners ask uh, for his opinion. And uh, and I think they'll listen to him. I think they'll re-up him. And I, I think that Brad Trivlin knows that his record is strong enough on a rebuilding team that uh, he's he's secure. Even even if the Flames let him go, um, I think that another team would pick him up pretty quickly. Uh, so I, I'm not, I don't think he's worried. I don't think he's going to try and do anything rash. He's a measured uh, guy. He doesn't panic. And uh, I think he'll do exactly what I said, which is basically just stand pat at this year's uh, trade deadline. Yeah, I think he's pretty well respected within the, the hockey oh, yeah. community. So, I mean, even if he did get canned, uh, I'm sure he'd get picked up fairly quickly now one last question eric you've covered the team for over two decades how how does this kind of uh this core or this um this rebuild how does it how does it look compared to the past like are they on a good track here are they are they figuring things out and and the end could be something very uh successful or do you see there's a there's a lot of red flags no i i think they're moving in a brilliant direction uh you know goaltending's probably been their biggest issue the last two years and they've got uh, some really, really solid uh, prospects in terms of goaltending. I mean, goaltending prospects are, uh, you know, a crapshoot at best. Uh, but you know, John Gillies was an NCAA champion. He's like six foot six. Um, you know, he's he's a solid prospect. They've got Tyler Parsons, who just won the World Juniors for the the American team and won the Memorial Cup last year. That's a pretty darn good prospect. Um, and, and you know, they're just their their prospect pool is is getting better and better and better. And uh, I think when your anchors for your franchise are Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan and Mark Giordano, and I'll go as far as to add T.J. Brody to that mix because there's a guy who most people don't understand how brilliant a player he is. Um, you know, And then even Dougie Hamilton's here for the next four years after this. 
Uh, I, I think they're solid. Their core is very, very solid. And moving forward, I think they're just going to get better and better. I, I know in this city, people are certainly optimistic of uh, the way the future is looking. Um, you know, the key is to not turn into Edmonton and, and be optimistic for 10 years before you actually make a run for the playoffs like they are this year. So uh, I, I think that, no, this team is definitely heading in the right direction and has some really solid building blocks. All right, Eric, uh, how can people find your work? I guess through Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Eric Francis, and, uh, of course, I'm in the uh, the Calgary Sun, the Calgary Herald Daily. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I also do all the Sportsnet broadcasts, uh, you know, and on the Fan 960 here in Calgary. I got too many gigs, too many gigs. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. I, I, I can be spotted a lot of places, especially if you're in Calgary. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. Thank you.